to the Create This Life podcast. I am here with Jennifer Watson. Say hello, Jennifer. Hi. <laughs> so I'm super excited to have her. She is one of the coolest people yeah. I know um, and just has so much to say about life and about healing and about happiness. So for those of you who don't know you like I do, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? We know you have a hot hubby and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh my goodness, that will go to his head. So I am Jennifer Watson. I am a mom of two teenage girls. Bless um, you, my child. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. I've been in ministry for 21 years, and um, I'm a writer and podcaster. Um, used to be a dancer. I don't know why I just threw that in there, but I just thought I'd make it more <laughs> to interesting. Make everybody jealous. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I just I think that I'm just a woman who loves supporting other women, so I feel like that's, you know, one of my my highlights and that I I can dance, you know. Mm, work it for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not on tabletops anymore. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> we will talk about that. That's oh a whole goodness. different podcast. <laughs> So I know you live here in Bella Vista, yes. right? Not actually not that far from where I live. Yeah. But have you always lived in Arkansas? Are you an Arkansas um, girl? I am an Arkansas girl. Okay. Um, I grew up in Russellville, Arkansas, so born and raised. And then we spent four years in Oklahoma. Um, I spent three years um, in Missouri. And then we came to the Holy Land, Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> and we've been here for about 17 years. So. Okay. So you guys have been here, let's see. Almost a little longer than we have. We moved here in 05. So we've been okay, here yeah. almost, four, well, this fall will be 15 years. Yeah. So about, yeah. not that different. Awesome. So how old are your girls? I know one of them just had a birthday. Yes. 17 and Did 15. Did you throw up a little you bit? You know, like thinking about Whitley is a junior. So she's taking classes. She's getting all of these college letters. I will tell you, that has been wild Mm -hmm. to think that she's got one more year of high school and then she's going to college. Like, that's crazy. KJ, my oldest, is a sophomore. Okay. And so we've already gotten a couple of letters and we've already had the discussion of, okay, when do you want to start taking dual classes? What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. all this kind of stuff. And he bought, oh, we bought his first car yesterday. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> and that's scary. so, yeah, it's like, no, we just need a license, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. It's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, I get it. Um, so let's kind of talk about your childhood a little bit. Because okay. I know it plays a lot into your story. It does. Um, and we, um, so for those of you who maybe aren't super familiar, she is the author of Freedom. Um, Okay, remind me of the tagline. I remember the word gutsy, but now my brain stopped. (laughs) It's the gutsy pursuit of breakthrough and the life beyond it. Yes. So we will discuss the book here in a minute, but I know in the book you definitely talk a lot about how your childhood shaped this whole journey to gutsy freedom. Yes, absolutely. So um, I grew up in um, a home with two loving parents, but two broken parents. And so my parents were very young when they got divorced. My mom, I think that she was way too young to get married and she will second that. So um, I think that just that brokenness in the home. So they divorced when I was fairly little. And then there was always this tug of war, you know, between um, who was I going to be? Who was I like? And my dad was drinking at the time. But as I got older, that... um, the alcoholism progressed and I saw that disease completely take over. So I think that it did shape my life in a lot of ways because I thought, you know, my mom and my stepdad are saved and love Jesus. My dad, you know, is not where he needs to be. And if I'm just good enough, if, I, if I'm a good girl and love Jesus and do all the right things, then he'll come to know the Lord like I do. And that it didn't happen like that. You know, it was very, very hard, but that was in my the back of my head. And can you imagine the pressure at 
seven to eight years old thinking that it was all on you. Like yeah. that was your responsibility to be good enough yeah. to see your that dad. You had to do the adult thing. That, yeah, <laughs> that I had to get him into heaven. And so that was a really, really hard thing. So I think that growing up, I realized I haven't always been the best daughter, but it's really hard to be, um, have a healthy relationship with unhealthy people. So I had mm-hmm. to kind of t- unpack that. The baggage from that. And of course, he did pass away about five years ago. Has it been that long? It's five years. Wow. Yeah. I remember when it happened. I was like, yeah. I didn't realize it had been that long ago. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's been a long time. And um, I just I have a lot of fond member, memories of him and a lot of uh, kindness and love. And it's not, I think because I did a lot of soul work, I can say that I stood by his side with just nothing but love. And I had already forgiven him. And you know, had worked through my junk. So it was one of those moments where I just said goodbye to him. But I also said, girl, you did it. Mm -hmm. Like you're not bitter. You're not angry. You're not, you know, all the things that you could be when you feel like your childhood wasn't like butterflies and rainbows. Yeah. You know, it's not, (laughs) and it's not, and no one's is. Yeah. So, so when they divorced, did they do the whole split parenting thing? Yes. Like you were with them for a certain time or was it, it just... was every other weekend. Okay. Yeah. It was every other weekend. And so, um, you know, two different like backgrounds of faith, you know? So, uh, my, uh, grandmother is a, was a strong Southern Baptist granny. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I had, had a to... strong Pentecostal. Yes. Well, and then, and then my other side of the family was charismatic and assemblies. And so, I mean, talk about like, it's just a really, I, I call myself a Baptocostal. I just have such a love and appreciation for like all denominations, but yeah, I'm definitely more charismatic. So yeah. So it was Splitsville every other weekend and, um, did and you all go like your sisters all at the same time? Yes, it wasn't yeah. just like pick and choose. No, okay. no, we were we were in it together. So my sister is a really big part of my life, and we are, gosh, eighteen months apart, okay. I think. Um, and look, I mean, we fought like cats and dogs, but I would have mm. cut anybody who messed with her, yep. and still that way. <laughs> yeah, my sister and I are fourteen months apart, so, so you know, oh, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, but you know, there's a lot of things that I protected her from. Um, so are you the older like, one? Yeah, I'm okay. the oldest. And so I feel like that was my role that I just took on was my job to protect my mom and my sister mm-hmm. and then kind of make it, you know, do the, the best I could with my dad. And he had a lot of like wonderful highlights, but the brokenness, it, it went deep, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that now I can look back and say it was pain, you know, yeah. he, um, he had physical ailments. He had all of these things going on, and the bottle was what, you know, he, yeah. he turned to. So. Do you feel like he ever found any peace before he passed? I do. I have this Good. assurance that, of course, like, no one was there with him, and so that just broke my heart. But I just had this moment. Even my mom, who'd been diver- divorced from him for, like, years, just said, you know what? I just believe that he had time. I believe that he knew the truth and he had time. And I have a piece. And that was something that had to lead, you know, because you ask yourself all of those questions, like, what was that, those final moments like? What, you know, but I just have to believe that he had that moment because he did know the truth. He really did. So, um, so I do have a peace and assurance in my heart. Uh, I just wish you would have found that like what I could see (laughs) to know all your hard work worked. (laughs) I mean, like when I think about the thief on the cross, it was so quick for him that he just believed. And so that's what I believe for us because we are 
really good at shame and guilt. You know, even yeah. as longtime believers, we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so not going to make it in. You know, <laughs> I'm going to get up there and he can be like, nope. <laughs> Girl, you did everything wrong. But he's such a gracious, loving God that I think that, I think that we would be really, really surprised. Yeah. You all we're going to see up there. Yeah. Go on. Right. Like, guess what? Surprise. <laughs> I was listening to a comedian and he said something similar to that. He goes, all y'all going to be surprised when you get up there and you're going to be like, oh no, Jesus, if you let him in, I know I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that we, we do that. We're really good at like measure this measuring system that doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's a human thing, not a God it thing. It is. It's such a human. <laughs> like, we ain't got time for that. There's too, much, thing. There's too many people that need love and, yes. and hope and just smooching on them because their life sucks. So yes. I was like, let's not worry about that. Right. Um, so we kind of talked about ministry a little bit. Yes. So I know you are, are you still on staff? At, I'm not. You are not. Okay. No. Um, about, uh, yeah. So I was on staff. I've been on and off. Okay. Um, with ministry, but um, so about four years ago, okay. my husband hired me to do the youth ministry, and so it took off and grow grew a lot. Um, but uh, then some like ministry is just hard, and so it was just a time for me to I needed to step Especially away. Youth ministry is hard. Yeah, and being a pastor's wife and being is a ministry all the oh, time. <laughs> and, and then having so I just kind of felt like I was in the line of fire. And I really have grown too much to allow myself to be in yeah. like anything that's toxic or anything that's unhealthy. So I stepped away for my heart and just to shift gears to a different ministry, which has been um, just loving on women and traveling everywhere. And so uh, it feels weird that I feel like I'm not using my gifts in the local church, but I'm using my gifts in a different yeah, way. In the, the big C and just not yes. the little C. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, so it's good, but that was a freedom thing for me to kind of be like, no, not gonna, not gonna well, do it's, that. It's almost like expected that as the pastor's wife, you're gonna lead something. Yes, whether you want to or and whether it's your gifting or not, right. you're gonna do it. Dang and there's it. <laughs> no rules for us. Yeah. Like there's no, there's absolutely no biblical. Like to be a wonderful pastor's wife, you have to do this. Yeah. It's not there, but we've made up all of these other rules, and so I'm about shattering all of those. Yeah, well, and you know, I mean, it's different if that is your calling to do youth ministry, and oh, yeah, yeah, this is perfect, but if it's not, to be forced in that position really is keeping you from your true goal and your true ministry. I just feel like there's like seasons, and we have to know when the season ends and be confident to like jump ship when we need to. Yeah. You know, and so that's really what it was Um, because I loved what I was doing. It was just, I was shifting gears. And um, I'm, I'm a freedom girl, so I don't like to be boxed in and chained to anything, you know. So that, that was fun, quitting my husband. So I was like, dude, <laughs> I love wash you, boo, but... but... Yeah, so I mean, like, it really caused some difficulties, but um, I think freedom is, is kind of offensive to people who aren't walking in it. Mm, and when yep. you are stepping out into who you know mm-hmm. you're supposed to be, you really don't have to ask permission from, you know, Yes. you know, so, um, so that's kind of what I did. I just knew that it was time to kind of, you know, I, I was a big girl, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm 43. I get to be in charge of like my, yeah. my career and what I'm picking. Yeah. The person who yeah. I don't sleep in the bed with. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I get how hard that would be, especially yeah. when there is that assumption and that whole. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, 
Like I said, I think if it's your calling, great. If it's not, you shouldn't be forced into it right. just because you happen to marry someone yeah. who's up on the pulpit. Yeah, And absolutely. that would be like, I mean, that would be like, you know, my main ministry is music. Yeah. That would be like me telling Kendall, oh, you have to learn an instrument. It's not your gifting, yes. but you need to be you up there do, with me. You need me. to do it. Well, and that, I think that that's the thing is that we put so much pressure on us to be perfect and that we're supposed, we've been told that we're supposed to fit these roles. And when you realize that that's man-made, not God-made, it's just like, well, okay. You know, so I, I have been very open and honest, like with some of my struggles, um, in like going to counseling of all the things that I went through, um, through my childhood and teenage years, I would say that church burn and ministry has been what I've ended up in counseling over more than anything. You know what I'm saying? Do you think it's because you, um, without maybe intending to, you held, the church and the people in it maybe to a higher standard oh. and when they didn't meet that expectation yeah. you're like what the yes. <laughs> yes. all of that <laughs> i think that i think that when you are in ministry for so long and you're at a place for so long like um i have been that you think okay we're family like we're family but family's dysfunctional mm-hmm. and so i think that when there are um i think that there's things that are just not okay so any kind of like personal attack like that's personal, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, um, and I think that it's okay for us to kind of go, whoa, you know, um, and kind of know what we can handle and what we can't and what we sh- shouldn't have to, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. I think that that's been, so yeah, I think that that is part of it that I, you expect more from believers. You expect more from, you know, uh, people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but yeah. you know what? We're all jacked up and we all make mistakes. Yeah. In so, some way, in, in some area, we're all newbies because there yeah. are some things that, you know what? We might have to lay it down every single day. Seriously. And it <laughs> needs to be okay that we're all a work in progress, no matter how young or how old we are. Yeah. You know? As long as your issues don't ooze over and start jacking yeah. up my life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I know that I'm in charge of me. You know, like Mm -hmm. all I can take care of is my feelings. And so whether there's apologies from the dad or the family members that have wounded you, Mm -hmm. you know, um, early in life to like right now being a big girl, like, you know, I'm, I'm in charge of my, my heart Mm -hmm. and I have to forgive people without them initiating or saying that, you know, and that is hard. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even about having a conversation with them. Sometimes it's just about making peace with yourself. Absolutely, yeah. I'm like, because there are people in my life I'm never going to get an apology from. Yeah. Even though they have raked me over the coals yes. and make me feel like the absolute worst person in the planet. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you kind of just have to get to the point where my happiness is more important. And, yeah. you know, and let's be honest, I'm like, if you're carrying around anger, it's going to bleed onto other people. Yeah. Whether you intend to or not. Yes. Someone's going to yeah. do something. I hate the word triggered because I feel like it's so... Over overused <laughs> yes. and used incorrectly. My 16-year-old yes. says yes. it about dumb bunny things. Yes, yeah. Um, but I do think there is a certain, I mean, it, it when used in the right context, it's true. It's There's true. There's something, you know, from your past yes. that someone's going to do that's similar, mm-hmm. and it's going to trigger that memory, yeah. and it's going to trigger that emotion. And yeah. so I think the only way not to injure current people or injure yeah. future people is to make that peace with right. the past, whether that right. person's involved or not. Exactly. And I think that it's been so taboo for people in ministry to talk about struggles. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a real mental health crisis in leadership in the church right yeah, now. We just had the pastor, what, six months ago yes. that killed himself? Yes. And it's just rocked me 
to the core to where I feel like it's, even though it might not sound very nice for me to say things like that, uh, mental health is it's not a pretty thing. And there's no mm. way for me to pretty it up. I think yeah. that there's so much pressure on ministry people today. And I don't think that it's, I think it's not God's will yeah. for us. Well, I think it's fascinating in ministry that everyone loves a good redemption story. Mm -hmm. They love going, oh, look at all the stuff you went through. Oh my gosh, God is so good. But for somehow they do that whole God is a genie thing that as soon as you say the prayer, poof, everything's magically great and you're not allowed to have any struggles anymore. You're not not allowed to battle with the stuff you battled with all those years ago. I'm like, you know, and so, but yeah. And so, but then then someone radical like you or some other people come up (laughs) and be like, no, that ain't the way it is. Um, And like you said, people are like, ew. Like, it's ew. It's a dirty word. Mental health is a dirty word. It it does. And it makes (laughs) them so uncomfortable. And I feel like we need to be uncomfortable right now with this because I feel like the ministry people coming up underneath me, like the younger Mm -hmm. ones, need me to speak out. Yeah. I have to do something. And so um, it's been heavy on my heart. In such a way that I'm like, awesome! I get to share another layer of vulnerability in my <laughs> yeah. life. Yay. Sweet! Yay! Thanks, but Jesus! You know what? <laughs> it's I'm gonna do it. You know, yeah. like sign me up if it's helping yeah. other people. If it that causes one less person to commit suicide because they're at a mega church and mega stressed out and doing things that they shouldn't have to yeah. do, like no. It's yeah, time to speak out. I was like, and it is kind of weird that you know the secular world is all about you know counseling counseling's not bad this should be this this should be this yeah. but then in the church it's like just pray through it yes prayer does work it's, but it's not always the be all end all and that's when yeah. like one time i was reading something and or listening to something and it was talking about um healing or something i can't remember what it was and the best phrase ever said sometimes the miracle is the medicine yes Hundred percent. Yes. I'm like, yeah. And yeah. therapy is medicine. Yes. It's medicine for your soul. It's it medicine is. for your mind. Yeah. Sometimes that's the miracle. Yeah. Sometimes the miracle is that counselor saying the right, asking you the right question. Yeah. For you to finally figure out the right answer. Yeah. Hundred percent. I'm I like, agree. yeah. Yeah. And so, well, you know my counselor. My counselor Susan Goss. Yes, I love her. Um, yeah. If, Good old Southern Miss Susan. Oh my goodness. Her slow Southern drawl. <laughs> I just love. I found her book on my bookshelf, and I was like, mm. oh my gosh, I love her so much. Right. Um. But yeah, so I know part of your ministry too was obviously at the church, but then you and your BFF, Carrie, um, spelled the same way as mine, so we're Carrie squared when we're together. Um, I actually saw her a few weeks ago at a day spring event in... um, at John Brown. Yeah. So I got to talk to her for a few. But you guys used to have a ministry called Broken Girl Ministries yes. that was, um, yeah. um, I guess it was kind of blog and maybe some speaking things. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you guys still do that or not well, as much? Or your, I think your... that, like, I think Broken Girl will always be a thing because there will always be broken people and broken women of all ages. But I think that, you know, we come together and we do, it like, a retreat every year. Um, I can see us continuing on that way, but as far as like, there's not a blog anymore. It's so hard now because, um, in the industry of writing and speaking and all of that, they really want you to have your individual thing, Which you makes know, sense, so, yeah. so they can find you. But I think that if there was, you know, people saying, will you come and do this? We would be like, sign us up. We <laughs> oh, would totally yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we just, and Broken Girl Ministries was founded under the, um, the great knowledge that we were still broken girls serving mm-hmm. in ministry and in the spotlight, which only intensifies the insecurities. It only yeah. intensifies the brokenness. And so you have to deal with your junk. 
you know, but you don't, um, you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. Yeah. And so we just kind of took our time and really focused on healing, but God was still using us in the middle of our mess. And he still yeah. is, you know? Yeah. I'm like, you guys have always been like every retreat, every time we ever talked, it's like, we're just gonna be straight up honest. Yeah. Like I didn't want to be here this weekend because there's some really bad crap yeah. going on in my oh, life. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, especially cause we deal a lot with the girls from Saving Grace um, and you know, and I think they need to know. They need to know. That the, don't let the pretty makeup fool you. Yeah. We're like, jacked it, up. Yeah. It was, the <laughs> mascara was running yesterday. Yeah. 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 And I think that that, that, I think that's what people need to see the most because I feel like I was wrapped in chains in my 20s trying to be the perfect, mm-hmm. you know, ministry, whatever. I was miserable. I was depressed. And my physical health was declining rapidly. And, um, yeah, I'm not going back there. Do you think a little bit of this need to be perfect in your twenties, do you think that stemmed from the fact that you were a pastor's wife or did it stem from your childhood where you're like, I don't ever want to lean towards or be like my parents in those certain broken ways. Yeah. And so I'm going to do everything I can not to be them. Yeah. I think that, um, people think, oh, like she's got baggage. She's going to be you know, a bad deal to sign up with, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it's not really true, but it, I think that, um, you have to grow up super fast in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're 22, you don't really get to be 22. They expect you to be 32. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you kind of take that back and say, you know, what, I'm learning and growing just like everybody else, but yeah, I expected perfection. I think probably because of marriage and ministry was the ultimate like driving force, but I did feel like that perfectionism that, um, in my childhood and teenage years that to be perfect meant I would be loved. Mm, so girl, that's I, me right so here. So my love my to mail. me was like based on performance mm-hmm. and that's crap. Yeah. So I had to really out that and even now in my marriage and, and like, you know, you, you have to love me no matter what. So if I perform poorly, yeah, it, it's just going to be one of those things. Yeah. It's like, we're not show dogs jumping through hoops, but that's what we've done as women. You know, and so I've kind of like removed all of that and said, no, to be loved is to be loved. Yeah. You know, so when it came to kind of dealing with your brokenness, did you, what was the catalyst to you going, I'm done, I'm over this, what do I need to change? What Was there like a singular catalyst or was there just like a season that by the end of it, you're like, screw this, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I was 31. And found out I would have to have a hysterectomy. And the two weeks before my surgery, uh, I started having nightmares. And it was like every single thing in my life surfaced. I was having reoccurring nightmares to where I was like screaming. And I'm the most peaceful um, sleeper ever to where people would have like checked me to make sure I was breathing. Like, <laughs> like I'm one of those. Alive. <laughs> you know? And so I think that when everything came to the surface, I was like, I realized I needed to heal like physically but I had to heal like mentally and my heart. And so I went on this quest at 31 because I was like, I thought I was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we all? <laughs> I thought it was good to go. I mean, honestly, because God has been using me and my stories for so long that at 31, I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then mm-hmm. I realized I'm not good. I'm not okay. Yeah. Like I need to de- like I needed to find out the pieces of my story and figure out what was fact and what was like fiction and what was my imagination and just figure out what was real because there was trauma at such a young age. Yeah. So I just had to sift through my story and then, did you do that alone or what did you do that? 
did you do like alone for a while and then like, all right, now I'm going to do counseling or did you jump straight into counseling? I did. I did jump, jump straight into counseling. I did a lot of, um, uh, talk therapy with friends and then journaling okay. and prayer walks and uh, retreats by myself. Like I did a lot of work by myself, mm-hmm. um, working through anxiety, even depression. And that was the season like I didn't lean on medication or anything. And then once I kind of worked through all of that and I realized like that trauma had kind of rewired my brain in such mm-hmm. a way that I needed medication, okay. whether that was from childhood trauma or whatever. It doesn't really matter. If you need that help and that cushion, yeah. you need to have Again, that help. Sometimes the miracle is the medicine. <laughs> exactly. And so, but I feel like I figured it, that's why I was able to kind of go into that next phase of my healing was because I knew I had exhausted all of the resources yeah. and there was still something off, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, but that was the catalyst, I think, for realizing that uh, I wasn't okay. 31 years old, boom, yep. in my face, had to heal <laughs> physically and and spiritually and meant all the things. How is that? I mean, it's got to be hard for your husband to sit there and watch your wife wake up in the middle of the night screaming. Oh, yeah. And, it's you terrifying. know, and go and there's nothing I can do. She yeah. can't articulate to tell me what to do because yeah. she doesn't know. No. Um, so how did that work, especially him being in the ministry? Because I know part of him is like, we'll pray for it. But then yeah. at some point he has to be like, okay, did he, what was that kind of, how did that affect <sighs> you guys? Okay, so um, there was one night that I, he always stays up later than I do. And I had had one of those dreams where I screamed and I like, our bed was really high up and I mm-hmm. jumped out of bed. So he literally Did you hurt yourself? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. But like, like a cat landed on my feet. And he like steps on me. Like, so he had to pick me up and put me back in the bed. Um, it was terrifying from, for him. I know that it was. But I also think that um, he's a dude and he's not <laughs> a compassionate. Like, it, like that's not his gift. Yes. And so I think that he was just like, I think that his whole phrase, not that he said this with me, is like, what in the world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, for 21 years. Because, um, you know, I think that for someone who's systematic and logical, it's A, B equals C. And yeah. with me, there's there's no equation. Yeah, it's like <laughs> L-M-N-O-Q squiggle. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's part of the, can be a struggle in your marriage is when you kind of think that you can control or, you know, be in charge of someone else's well-being mm-hmm. and you're just not. Yeah. You know, like you have no say in what hurts them, you know, yeah. and, and how you play into their story and their trauma. Like, you, you know, you just have to like own your stuff. So I think it was a huge thing for us to kind of walk through. And, um, and then even with like trauma going on through the years, we all have our things and, you know, we had to work on that, you know? Yeah. With the girls, how honest have you been with them about kind of this journey that you've gone on for the last nine years or so. Yeah, I've, I've been very... I mean, obviously not when they were younger, because right. that was like nine years ago when they were squidgets, Yeah, but. yeah. So when they have traveled with me and heard pieces of my story, like, these are their family members. Mm-hmm. You That's know, so... Be hard. Yeah, so the thing is, I want to honor my family. Even though, like, there was some things that happened in that I want to paint my people out to in the best possible light without lying. You know? Yeah. And so... It's a fine line. It's a very like when fine you line. You want to tell your story and be yes. honest, but you don't want to throw someone else under yeah. the bus who right. has 
you know, maybe repented, maybe not, but then yeah. they still have to deal with. Right. So I think that for me, what I will, what I've done in that circumstance is I said there was physical and verbal abuse, but I don't have to, I don't have to name that person because mm-hmm. I've forgiven them. But of course, with the alcoholism, everybody knew that that was my dad. Yeah. But I didn't want to just paint him out to be this horrible person because he wasn't. He was so much more, but just over the years, as the disease progressed, he was gone. Yeah. It takes completely over yeah. and they're the not, person you they knew cannot help there. it. Yeah. Like at that point, they are not who they used to be and they don't even know how to get back to themselves. They don't. Mm-hmm. Like alcoholism is a real thing and it's a disease. And so I had to really kind of release my dad from a few things because it just took over, you yeah. know? And there was reasons why he had to because he was physically in pain. His body had started to decline and and so, of course, you know, yeah. that's what he, he turned to, to numb things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely, yeah, but it's definitely hard to be honest with your kids. Yes. But not, almost like, I don't know if it's possibly too honest, but you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Well, and to say that they weren't, you know, grandparents are not the same. Like, they turn into, like, who's this grandmother giving them candy at <laughs> yeah. all hours, you know, and they become like these magical unicorns, you know, and so like you would have never let me do that as exactly. a kid. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think that I want them to love their grandparents yeah. so much. And so, well, and it's almost like you don't want to pass along your baggage. No, like that, you, like I, they're going to have their own baggage because yeah. it's life. Yes. And you know, you don't want to It's not going to be, be my fault. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like not it. <laughs> so, so that's another thing is I knew that with like bringing up girls, I would have to deal with my junk. Um, so I didn't pass it on. Yeah. And I feel like I've done that, but honestly in this world, insecurities with being a female is just a universal thing that like ticks me off so much to hear like, you know, when my girls have said, I am not enough, because I'm like, I know what they're hearing at home. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what's being you spoken over here. them. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, yeah. the devil's a punk. And he, he just sneaks right in there yeah. with our identity crisis at such a young age. And so, yeah, so I feel like I'm very real and honest with my daughters without scaring the mess out of them. Yeah. <laughs> the world does that enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't need to help them. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that's great because it was like you in you know because we've known each other at this point for what like ten years yeah. something like that I don't yeah. even know pretty close to it and I'm like and that's one thing I've always preached about you and Carrie in your talk you're like this is us I'm gonna say the word junk I'm gonna say the word crap occasionally something worse than that might come out <laughs> possibly <laughs> but yes. I'm just gonna be real I'm gonna be honest mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna you know I'm but I'm gonna persevere yes like I still remember talk when we the very first retreat you guys did for Saving Grace mm-hmm. it, I wasn't I was not at that one but I started the year after that and I remember you talking that first year about how you guys got asked to do this ministry and then basically all hell broke loose in your lives the week before and it would have been so easy to be like we can't do it yeah we're not spiritually ready we're not this yeah it could it would have been you know um, Moses all over again. I'm not this. I'm not that. Jesus, yeah. you can't use me because yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I just remember thinking that time, like, wow. I was like, because all the, every person there was like, we had no idea. They had no we idea. had no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was one retreat that I can remember very vividly that I was in the biggest fog of depression to where, I mean, like, I just, everything was cloudy in my head. And I thought, how am I going to be used by God? Like how in the world? Yeah. Because I, like my thoughts were just like, I was in the thick of depression. And so, and somehow 
you know, it was like a turning point because you show up and say, this is not about me. I'm being obedient. Yeah. So God mm-hmm. show up and take over. And so I started praying like, God, turn my anxiety into your anointing. And that just kind of gets me out of the way. And since this mm-hmm. is all about you, God, you know, yeah. so do what you want to do. I suppose it's the second time I've heard that phrase. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Um, I normally wouldn't listen to it, but it's called We Are Millennial Women. Yeah. Because I don't know if I'm a millennial. I honestly, I know there's like numbers and right, ages. Right. I don't know. Uh, I feel like mentally I don't have that millennial stigma, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, but they were actually interviewing, um, um, her name's Alexa Penavega. So her, you name is Alexa Vega. Um, mm-hmm. But she was the girl that played in the Spy Kids movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, her and her husband are a Christian and they were talking, she was talking about how she struggled with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she said at some point she goes I was literally on my knees with God saying I can't do this anymore like mm-hmm. six years of bulimia yeah like hardcore yeah and she goes and she goes finally I had to get to the point where it wasn't about me anymore mm-hmm. that it wasn't about how I looked it yeah. wasn't about how you know what people thought of me mm-hmm. it was about okay God if it's this the only way I'm gonna get through this is if it's about you and right. not about me anymore yeah yeah exactly. and I'm like I was like I'm like a, I talk to podcasts Whenever yeah. I'm listening to them, and I'm like, yes, yes, girl, yeah, <laughs> in exactly. the car by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that person. I love it. <laughs> but what's great is then, so then you took this this brokenness, this ministry, and this kind of all things, and you're like, all right, um, let's put this in book form. Let's yes. let's yeah. write all this crap down. Right. Um, so I know, yay, congratulations! This is the around the one year birthday ish, yeah. yes. something like that. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, it's been a year. That's crazy. It is crazy. Um, so happy first birthday to your baby. Yay, thank um, you. So what was there, like, was it something you always wanted to do? Like, you always had a desire to write a book? Or was it one of those, um, I've gotten to the point where, yes, I'm ministering to this little bubble, but I feel God calling me to minister on a bigger yeah. scale, so it's time to write it down? Or what was kind of the, the snowball that got that going? I feel like writing was a huge part of my healing process. Okay. Well, you, you so, said you journaled a lot. Yeah, okay. I journaled a lot. I did not realize I was a writer. I did not realize I had any gifts. So it wasn't like when you were a kid going, I want to be a writer. Or in I English class, your parent, your teacher was like, you should be a writer when you well, grow up. I had, uh, no, I felt like I was the dumbest person on the earth uh, <laughs> and on the planet. So I, but I was writing per- poetry in elementary school, like Poetry, I didn't, yeah. So um, I did not realize, but I had a few, like I had a creative writing teacher that said, you have the potential to be really good at this. But it was it's something that didn't register. And then mm-hmm. I had another professor that say, says, you don't write like everybody else. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. bad. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, no. This like is that's a like, compliment. This is good. And so I, I think that God caused those memories to surface at the right time. So when, about at age 30, I started writing, but I was writing fiction. I wrote two novels and a screenplay. So I feel like I was high, just kind of playing, you yeah. know? But I was like, I want to do this, but I didn't know what and I was supposed to say. Sometimes fiction is safer. Exactly. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do, you know, with these thoughts and these stories, but I feel like I worked through some things, writing these novels, and then I started blogging, and I started taking off the mask of perfection, and I started being real, and I feel like from there... Like my, my ministry just kind of like opened doors because God uses us in the areas that we are probably the most ashamed of, broken mm-hmm. home, you know, insecurities, all of these things yep. that we want to hide and we think are bad about us. Like he uses us and he attaches us to our purpose and our people. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think that that was a journey for me. But yeah, that's how it all happened. And, and I was like, I know I'm supposed to write a book. I just didn't know what kind of book. Okay. Yeah. So I know you use the word gutsy, which yes. is super funny because you're, I mean, let's be honest, you're a girly girl. And, <laughs> yeah. like, and gutsy's not... It's not a glitter word. Like no, it's, it's not, not a glitter hairspray, high uh-uh. heel kind of. It's yeah. it's a nasty in the trenches kind of word. Yes. So why did you choose that one? That word. Well, I've always loved the whole grittiness, mm-hmm. and I feel like yes, I'm a girly girl, but like I have like a little bit of ghetto in my soul. <laughs> like I just I feel like being in the trenches with people is so messy and so beautiful. So when I was um, kind of studying about the woman with the issue of blood and her issues and how she pressed, she exhausted all of her resources, but she kept going until she was healed, until she met Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that is the gutsiest woman I've ever met. I'm like, of course, like in the Bible, we're thinking of her as the sick girl. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's a powerhouse. Her physical strength didn't match up to her heart and her strength and yeah. her determination to just go after her healing. And I was like, so that's where the whole gutsy thing was. Is I was like, she was brave and she was gritty and she didn't let go until she got her healing. I'm like, that is... You're like, I want to be her. I well, love her funny so much. Because her story is so short in the Bible. So short. But, and, you know, anytime you, you know, you see all the, you know, it's the woman at the well or it's Deborah or it's, you know, it's yeah. all these women that we talk about. But when you look at it and really yeah. think about how long she had to persevere yes. to get her healing, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Sister <laughs> was strong. And the thing is, like, she, her faith was so noticeable that even touching Jesus' garment caused him to stop in his tracks because he knew healing had flown out yeah. of him. And so, and of course he knew, he knew who touched him. But the thing is, faith like, like that is a little step of faith. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that... Um, and it says, like, in that process where he's like, who touched me? It, it says that she fell down trembling and told him her whole truth. And so I feel like that is healing. It's reaching out to Jesus, and it's laying it all down and telling him our whole truth. Yeah. And letting letting him do what he wants to do. Yeah, that's really good. But I was I love that word, gutsy. I love it. Because it's, it's like, my favorite. Like, you can't even say it nicely. No. You, like, you can't. <laughs> like, it's your whole, yeah. And it, it, it's kind of like when you're like, when people say, I hate your guts, you know, when they're like five years old or yeah. elementary school, you know, it is kind of like this gross word, yeah. but gutsy to me is like, it's brave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So what was the hardest part about writing the book? Uh, you know, I love the whole book writing process. Okay. The hardest part was allowing myself to go there and re-feel some feelings, you mm-hmm. know, and like let it ache and hurt. Was it uh, hard to feel them but not pick the baggage back up? Um, sometimes. Like on those days where I needed to write the heavy stuff, mm-hmm. I went away. Away from my family and kind of holed up in a um, hotel or like a retreat center mm-hmm. because I didn't want to take that home. Like yeah. I wanted to feel everything because yeah. I'm a four on the Enneagram and I <laughs> like, like to me, pain is art. So I think the hardest thing was, is just making sure I didn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was truthful. So that yeah. was the hardest part. Yeah. That would definitely be hard. Yeah. Especially cause yeah. like, and then you're, you know, you're like, I've dealt with it, but you know, but like you said, in order to write truth, you have to feel truth. You have to feel it. I'm like, it's the reason, you know, Those, so many great, yeah. uh, great artists have 
crappy lives. It's like, but then they're able to translate that into yeah. paint or words or music. Yeah. And, like, and so, but, you know, being able to put it back down is the hard part, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So it was the easiest part. Or is there even an easiest uh, part? <laughs> you know, I think it's all been like, um, the easiest part is just knowing that my words are going to help someone. You know, if it happens to land in someone's mm-hmm. hands. Did that make the hard parts easier? Because yeah. you're like, you know what? Someday, yeah. so whatever I'm writing, whatever I'm slobber crying here yeah. in this hotel room by myself. I think it's, I had an editor ask me what was the most surprising thing about the whole process. And I was like, how deeply I loved people I had never met mm-hmm. and how torn up I was for their stories and not even knowing them. And that's who I pictured when I was writing the book. And my heart would be literally gripped and grieved for people I'd never met before. Yeah. And so that's why I think that for me, it's not just readers. Like, they're, they're my tribe, you know? Yeah. And, and I love so, the way you write. You don't write from, you don't write from a distance. You mm-hmm. literally write as in, this is my voice, almost like a, I don't say train of thought because mm-hmm. there's punctuation and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it's literally like we're you write in a way where it's we're sitting down girlfriend to girlfriend and let's have a conversation and hash yes. this crap out. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a, a cheerleader and sometimes butt kicker. You know? <laughs> All so, at one time. Yeah. Because, because I believe in women so much and I believe that if they could just wrap their minds around mm-hmm. the concept of freedom that they can walk in it. Yeah. You know, no matter how hard it is. And so I feel like I'm a cheerleader and I'm an encourager, but I'm also one of those like, come on, <laughs> let's do yeah. this, you know? Well, it's like you said, uh, like, I think around that time that we got the book, um, I did an art piece on it because mm-hmm. it was a phrase that is absolute love that it's okay to not be okay, dot, 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 for a season. For a season, yes. And so, 100%. like, I loved that so much. I was like, yeah. where's my art journal? I have a whole video on it on my yeah. YouTube. Yes. Um, and so, because that spoke to me because it's almost like you were giving people permission to grieve. Yes. You were giving people permission yeah. to have those down days. Yeah. To have that anger. Um, and I think that's hard for some people, especially in the church. They're almost, in some ways, programmed against anything negative. Yes. Let um, people grieve. And so, like, I remember, so when we found out we were adopted, I was 21. Um, and I remember thinking I didn't have the right to be angry mm-hmm. because, A, my life could have been so much worse, you know, blah, blah, you know, a whole long All list things. of things I shouldn't have been angry. And it finally, and I, you know, I tried to do it on my own for like eight months and that was stupid. And um, finally, when I went to counseling is where he literally said, you have every right to be yes. angry. You have my permission. Mm-hmm. You need to give yourself permission to yeah. be angry. It's like, yeah. like we, you're not allowed to have negative emotions once you find Jesus, I yeah. guess. Um, but then, you know, let's look at Jesus. He yelled at people. He turned over some tables yes. and the thing. Even on the cross, he was like, what the mm-hmm. heck, God? Are you sure about this? And he needed to <laughs> retreat away from the people. Yes. You know, like he needed to get out of Dodge. <laughs> people were pressing in on him. And, you know, it's like he was very human. And we are not giving people room for yeah. humanity and imperfection and grit and and the yeah. messy parts like yeah. but sometimes you gotta it. be gutsy with yourself before exactly. you can be gutsy with others exactly <laughs> yeah um is there a part of the book that's like your favorite or or a quote that you like that's your favorite or um, or maybe a section that was your favorite to write yeah what what i'm spending a lot of time teaching about is the inner mean girl Mm-hmm. And letting people know because we've got this internal dialogue, and mm-hmm. I 
did research and found out that probably like 90% of the time people say it's negative in their head, mm-hmm. um, this voice. And so my, my key thing that I've learned and put in the book is that the Holy Spirit will be always be more powerful than whatever tried to break you. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I go on to say, you know, the Holy Spirit will always be more powerful than whatever tried and failed to break you mm-hmm. because that's where we get, Yeah, you know? So I feel like that was my core truth. And then, um, I think that that, that inner mean girl thing is where I spend a lot of time talking to women about that. But I, I think that that's one of my favorites. Um, and that there's humor and there's truth and there's, Things that are going to make you laugh and things are going to make you cry. But in the end, I hope people like walk away differently and then realize how much we need each other on this journey. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just reading because, you know, kind of prep for this, I was like, well, I'm going to go just, you know, read some reviews and like kind of stuff. And there's been a lot of people that's like, I, you know, I always thought that this is who I was, that I was just going to be broken. And, you know, and I think you even say in your, in the book about how brokenness isn't a destination. It's not. Yeah. It's just part, sometimes part of the journey. Yeah. And how many women like in, in their reviews are like, I always just thought that's who I was in some yeah. form or fashion. They, they basically said, I just thought that's who I was always going to be. Yes. Yeah. And so just seeing that impact of even just that light bulb of women going, Oh wait, yeah. I don't have to be that. Yeah. I don't have to whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the way we've normalized that it's mm-hmm. okay for mommy to be depressed. It's okay yeah. for, you know, mommy to have the mommy juice and drink wine every night because she's so stressed out. Yeah. Or I'm, I know when I did that book review, the video book review yeah. last year, I had the statistic, but I don't know where my phone is right now. Um, but just the statistics of, you know, women, you know, are 50% more likely to commit attempt suicide and we've normalized all this and it's like just having those women go that's not how it has to be it It doesn't have to be that and i and another thing that i I say in there is that like brokenness is not the destination it's a catalyst it's the Mm -hmm. jumping point like it leads because every broken thing that we go through leads to an area of breakthrough Mm -hmm. it's just we've got to get there we've got to like and so what I, I love to share with people is that they always give up right before their like big breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. Like don't give up because yeah. like on the other side of that is what they're longing for. That healing, yeah. that, that peace, you know. When and you it, said it earlier, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And a lot of people don't want to sit in the uncomfortable. Do that. I'm like, we hear that a lot in like, like in a lot of the running groups I'm in, especially when you're hitting the, you know, the mileage that I'm doing to do these crazy, Gosh, ridiculous long runs, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. There are going to be it's days not. that suck and they're going to, but you like, it depends. Do you want to be uncomfortable and quit yeah. or do you want to push through and you're going to get to the end yeah. and it's going to suck? Right. But knowing that it's a necessity to get you to the bigger picture. Right. Right. Because I feel like what I was doing was circling the same issues over and over. And I felt like I was stuck Mm -hmm. and I had to figure out why. And it was my mindset. And so that is all in the book because, I mean, I lived this message. That's why I feel like I have some sweat equity in it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I lived it and I powered through it. Yeah, you're like, I wasn't wasn't a passive observer that I'm telling you what I saw. No, I lived this crap. I lived it and it was hard. Yeah. I'm like, so um, the yeah, I can't even imagine just sitting there going, all right, here's my heart world. Yeah. Do what you will with it. <laughs> do you read reviews? Or... I do. Okay. Um, I, now, I don't spend a whole lot of time on those, but there have been some that have just like made me weep because mm-hmm. of their stories. Yeah. And I feel like, I want to 
going, I want to read. I want to connect with these people. So, um, I've, I haven't had like a whole like horrible things, you know, of course there's always those few yeah. that Personal just don't opinions. like yeah. my, um, they don't like my style. Yes. I you read know? one of those today on Goodreads. Yeah. She's like this, like I couldn't figure it out cause she was like, she gave it like three out of five and then she's like rave, 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 rave. I was like, and I got like three quarters of the way through and I was like, no, why the crap did you give it three? And then I got to, and <laughs> she I was like, like my style. Oh, yeah. And um, you know what? That is completely okay. Yeah. You know, but, um, but I'm not going to change that for anybody. Yeah. Like, you know, so, but, so if they're willing to write and spend the time, I, I do want to read this, but I'm not going to obsess over it. Yeah. Because I'm free, girl. <laughs> free, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there's probably a lot of people out there like, you know, God's put on my heart to write a book. I know. So I'm one of those people, I forget things like that because yeah. of my brain, but I've had a title in for a book in my brain yeah. for like seven years. And yeah. the fact that it hasn't gone away means God wants me to write a book at some point. Right. Um, I just, yeah, whatever. Um, we'll talk about that later, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, so let's talk a little about the process. Okay. Um, we'll spend a lot of time on it. But, um, so, I mean, where did you start? Did you start with the idea? I mean, I know there's there's different schools of thought. Like, yeah. you should write the whole book. You should write the first chapter. You should write a book proposal. You know, yeah. there's so many different avenues. But what kind of worked for you? Okay, so I went to a bunch of writers' co conferences, and I grew. So when I started, you had to have a proposal but like it was junk, you know, I really didn't know at that point what I wanted to say. So I just kind of kept working at it and working on the proposal and then meeting with editors and agents and just making, establishing a relationship while I was growing because I wasn't there. I wasn't ready to write it. Um, so a lot of people were like, oh, this was a 10 year process. Really, it was more of a like 2015 is when I signed with the agent. So I feel like there was like three years before that where I was like, okay, I'm serious about mm -hmm. this. And so I just kind of felt like if I was any good at all, then an agent would sign me and then we'd go from there. It took a long time <laughs> to even like from signing to the, seeing the book like mm -hmm. happen. And um, so I just had someone to kind of help me look at the proposal and say, yeah, this is not there or this stinks. And so I had written two proposals with this agent and then went away for a weekend and wrote the third proposal. Because the uh, editor that has just fought for me so hard was like, you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And so she just, she called me and she said, get everybody out of your head. Like you're writing with too many voices in your head. You're get trying your to agent. give people what they want yes. rather than what you need she's to like, write. She's like, go away. She's like, what do you want to write? And she's like, I want you to, like, don't write to sell this, right? Because mm -hmm. it's what you want to write. And so I went away. I wrote this proposal in two days and that's the one that they picked. You know, so I think imagine that, that she knew what she was talking about. <laughs> exactly. But like she gave me permission to be me. And mm -hmm. then after I sent her in, like you write three chapters, you know, and they say if they want it or not. But she I sent her two, and she was like, it's missing something because she knew me. She was like, it's missing your humor. Yeah. And I was like, you want snark? I got snark. <laughs> and I got so, snark for days. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what she wanted. She wanted me in book form. And so that's what I did. And that was like. <laughs> they snatched it up, and I'm so grateful, you know, that That's they awesome. gave me permission to just be me. So it's not a quick thing. No, not at all. So you started with an agent in 2015. When about what time was the proposal accepted? Um, 2018. Okay, so yeah. good two and a half, three years yeah. of just working it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then so, the book well, came out. And... I mean, like when I finally get that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that was a quick, you know, once I finally get the right proposal, but it was 
a year spent on two different other just proposals yeah Yeah, just going back and forth and yeah it was exhausting you know (laughs) so once you started had the book proposal you're like all right nitty-gritty gonna write the book yeah Looks like, I mean, considering when it came out. Yeah, I had six months. Six months? I was going to say about six months. Six months, yeah. Well, and I kept waiting because, like, it's not a done deal until you sign it, even though I knew I had a book deal. Yeah. So I was like, uh, like, is this other shoe going to drop on (laughs) this, you know? Should I waste all my time writing this just yet? (laughs) Yeah, but it was six months. I had six months to, like, finish it, so. Was it hard? Um, did timeline make it better, easier or yeah, harder? Yeah, I do better with like a little fire lit underneath I do too. Me. I don't do well with yeah. people like, just do whenever because yeah. then whenever doesn't no, happen because then doesn't. something else takes a priority. Well, and being a sloppy perfectionist, I would nitpick and nitpick. You know, I mm-hmm. needed to like do as much as I could possibly do and hand it over to editor and, and let like, her do her job yes. and nitpick it. <laughs> yes, because I would, I would just obsess over it. And I, and I did until the very last minute, the very last, you know, deadline day. I was like, oh. Well, I remember you know? like when you were doing it, you're like, do you guys like this arrow for the cover or this arrow for the cover? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was a cool thing because they knew me. Um, they sent me the, the cover and it was the first cover that nice. they designed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, because they knew me. Like at that point, you know, I really felt like my, um, the, editor that like signed me and you know snatched me up and believed in me so much she just knew mm-hmm. you know yeah. she just she's like I got you it's a yeah. tribe it's this is what we're doing yeah um so was there anything that was you wrote into the book that for some reason was taken out that you or were they pretty good with just going we're only going to edit the grammar uh, and even then, no. no. <laughs> you know what? Like in my, the reason why I love having an agent so much is they fight for you. So it's, it had to stay true to how I wrote it. Mm-hmm. You know, of course I like needed some like, you know, <laughs> some commas. There were commas and, some, and periods. You know. So that's not how you spell that. that. <laughs> um, but they were really amazing to let me be who I was. So, um, the first page was supposed to have crap storm instead of wild storm. <laughs> I ended up editing them out. I kind of wish I would have left it in, but I didn't want to, like, so I just, I it didn't want to. the tone, yeah. yeah. and so. Did you use the phrase crap storm at some other point? And I'm trying no, to know if you did. No, but that's what they, they bought that, you know, that's what I sent in. And so that, like, the crap storm was in the first yes, draft? Yeah, that's and, and I'm the one who kind of backed down because, you know, I had some advice and different things like that, but I didn't want someone to find it on Amazon and be like, she's crazy. You know, but I am crazy, you know. So, but they didn't need to know that till a few chapters yeah, in. Yeah. So hold it back a little. If if I could go back, that crap storm would have definitely been that's in awesome. the place of wild. But I love whatever. That that's your one thing. I, I, I wanted to intro with the word crap storm. Yeah, that's silly. That's hysterical. Um, so future. Let's yeah, talk future. Any more books? I know you're doing a lot of speaking, touring yes. kind of things. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm traveling a lot. Um, and I am, I've got the next idea kind of brewing. Yay. So I've started that. So that is my goal in the next few months is just to kind of like set my little hiney in a chair and compare Write that next proposal. Write the next one. Maybe you can get the word crap storm in this one. <laughs> Maybe I'll sneak that one in. I don't know. Yeah. Or I'll make up some other inappropriate word, you know, right. just slide in there. Yeah. <laughs> like as long so, as yeah. when you read it, it makes you giggle. It makes your heart yes. happy. That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who likes that word, they're my people. Yeah. So, yeah. I always put teasers out for these. I just put one that says crap storm. Jennifer Watson. 
<laughs> That's going to be in the title somewhere. No. Dealing with the crap storm of life. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to write the next one. I'm ready to, you know, go through that process again and just excited, you yeah. know. But it's it's a long process, and I've waited a year before I was, like, even ready. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just not like, re- Jesus, yeah. I'm not ready. Let's let the first book get to the first yeah. birthday. And <laughs> well, I mean, this honestly, what you write about, you're attacked in that area, like, yeah. the most. And so... Mm-hmm. That's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> you have to no, be ready. Right now. Yeah. I, you have to be ready for that. True yeah. story. True story. So you're speaking a lot, so you're getting to travel to women. You were actually at some place this past yeah, week, Yeah, I was you? in Arkadelphia. I was at a wonderful conference, and I loved them Their so much. Their balloon garland was fa- um, arch thing was fantastic. They were They were so <laughs> they were, creative. I was looking, I was like, that's cute, that's cute, oh, that's Everything cute. was like top notch, so I really loved that. Um, and I got to speak with like teenagers to like, you know, grandmas. Like at the same time or yes, all together? All together, nice. you know? And so, um, and then they separated them out. But I got to speak to women of all ages and I love that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that. And then I also have a podcast with Holly Girth and Suzanne Eller, and it's more than small talk. Mm-hmm. And we release, we drop one every single Thursday. <laughs> and, um, and I'm very much myself and I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, the wild card in that, but, you know. Yeah, because they both, are, am I am I wrong that, that, like, at least I know Holly. I don't think yeah. I've ever met, yeah, I've met her. I just haven't, like, talked to her a lot. Holly seems very, like, low-key, very. She's very funny. Like, she, like... <laughs> she is so funny to where when she says something, it's almost like whiplash because you're not expecting, and she's hilarious. So she, yeah. she does, like, throw in some things that are funny, um, and that she'll say, you know, third gr- grade, no, she'll say 13 year old boy humor, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I think that we're all like pretty much like who we are, um, and we bring something different, but mm-hmm. we're all like introverts and writers, but we're very different even though yeah. we're a lot alike. So, yeah. yeah. So we kind of cover all the bases, but I would definitely say that I'm like, <laughs> you know, the one that you... You don't know what she's going to say. <laughs> really? She's the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> In the crap storm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they will, I mean, thankfully we can say to our producer, like, edit that out because, you know, <laughs> that's not what we like, yeah. That's that, going to get us into trouble. That was an inside voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. That did not mean to come out. Yeah. Okay. So I ask everybody the same five questions. Okay. They're called the final five. Let me find it here. Okay. So for first one. Okay. Um, What book can you not live without other than the Bible? (laughs) Boundaries. Okay. By um, Townsend and I think it's Cloud. I'm probably saying that all wrong. But this book on boundaries is something that I needed because I was a classic pleaser and doormat. But that is, it has been like crucial. So that, um, yeah, boundaries has been like my go-to. And of course I have like a few that I'll go back to. Another one that I love is So Long Insecurity by Beth Moore. Okay. It's so good. So I read that when it right when it came out and like cried up the last bit. I mean, it was so, so good. Yeah. So that's another one. So I'd say boundaries and so long insecurity. Okay. All right. All right. Let's see number two. On your saddest day, what song makes everything all right? Oh goodness, on the saddest day. I love all like music of all genres. So I love like some country music. So um I think now it's um Leave the Lights On, you know? <laughs> it's like this like dancey, like like you think of like people are going out country line dancing, they play this song. That's what it's I think it's 
Okay, oh, while we're here, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Google it, it real quick. I can look it up. Um, <laughs> Got to hit the Google. Um, yeah, there we go. All right, I need to get my, my playlist. By Tom Walker. Is that not it? Well, no, okay, she's getting her phone now, y'all. No, I'm getting my phone out because i I got to do these people justice. Is it not the second someone mentioned you were all alone, I feel the trouble coursing? Nope. No, that doesn't sound like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be like, this one's getting a little like sexy. <laughs> no, 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 it's definitely not a... No, yeah, this one's pop, music, rock, soul, funk, so it's definitely not a country. Um, oh, wait, who's this one? What about... Oh, that's Tom Walker. Too. Okay, no, I have it on my, my phone, so... Oh. <laughs> okay. This is terrible. It's great podcasting. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing... Silence. So who is it? Okay, so Brett um, Young. Brett Young, okay. Can't Sleep Without You is like a, a favorite one, so I like that. It's like, you know, I don't... And then this one... Um, no, that's not it. Um... Yeah, so we'll, we'll just throw that in <laughs> So she's a Brett Young fan, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's her go-to. <laughs> Great podcasting. Click, 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 click. I know. <laughs> and some Jesus music. Oh, I, like Corinne Hawthorne is another one. Like she's got some get up and go. Yes. I think I have a couple on mine from one of the retreats so, we did. Right. So when uh, I want to like really jam out is Won't He Do It? And then when I really want to like get to the throne room, speak the name, and that's all. Those are the two I have yes. for when we did the retreat. Yep, those are those yep. are my go-to. And then of course we've got to throw in some country line da- dance music in there. <laughs> I'm still gonna get kicked out of <laughs> my denomination. You okay. gotta do what you gotta do. Sometimes you gotta you know get jiggy with it. All right, so here's one that always throws okay. people, but it makes me happy. Um, you're the new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? Ooh, okay. So I would be like a mixture of like um, deep teal and turquoise and, you know, like something like that because mm-hmm. I love those colors. Um, I think that it's, I feel like they're like power colors mm-hmm. and they're, um, so they're bold and powerful and make a statement. I think mm-hmm. that that, yeah. And it feels like sometimes they're almost like a mix of that bold but still soothing yes yeah and like on my cover those colors yeah. so like you know doing my style guide so a lot of those aqua and deep teal and those kinds of things are like my color which before it was red you know yeah. like i'm a red lipstick girl but no <laughs> now it's just yeah that's my You're like all oh, the turquoise yeah colors <laughs> all right let's see next one is what's the last gift that you gave someone Ooh. okay so Susie eller was um recovering and so I got her some of those eye masks because I was talking about that on one of her podcasts mm-hmm. you know like I feel like now I look chronically tired <laughs> so it was like you know a few of those like little self-care things but that was the last gift was that's like, funny I was like she probably needed it bless her heart yeah. <laughs> all right last one what is your go-to inspirational quote or scripture or motto or mantra mm-hmm. and why does it mean so much to you um, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's my go-to, but of power and love and a sound mind. Uh, just because I feel like I lived in fear for so long, that's, that's something that I had to quote to myself until I believed it. So that's like my go-to. And, um, and then just like life things, you know, um, just, 
it's just giving people like permission to be who they are and just and I think just saying it's okay to not be okay yeah and then that you're gonna be so that's kind of like my go-to phrase but something that just makes me happy is just when people are like just be you and I'm like mm, yeah <laughs> so um like are you sure about that do you know what you're asking yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yay! Is there anything else maybe that you... I think we've mentioned I, just about everything. I think we did. Point. I think we covered so, everything. Yay! Thank you so much for coming. Y'all don't even know, but we're actually sitting in my house at my dining room table. So um, thank you so much for oh, coming and hanging out with me. me and that kind of stuff. And I will put links to your podcast and your book and all that kind yeah. of stuff in the show notes so you guys can go check it out. And then I think that is it for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we will catch you on the next one.